Thank you very much, Rabbi Yudin. Rabbi Shosarad Mordasra. I ask uh, your indulgence for the uh, frequent interruptions for, uh, um, for, for the drinking. But the Rambam writes in, in Hilchus uh, Deus, he quotes a Mishnah with which we're all familiar from Perkeyovos. The Mishnah says, Whatever a person does should be geared towards, should be oriented towards Hakarjvaracha. Now, on, on the one hand, so why? Why quote it from the Rambam if it's uh, an explicit mission in, in Perkyovos? The answer is that, that if you study Perkyovos and you follow up the cross-references to the Mishnayas in Perkyovos to the Rambam, so you'll notice that some of the Mishnayas in Perkyovos, when the Rambam quotes them, he quotes them in Parakei, which is the parak which deals with the higher standard of expectation from a Talmud Chacham. The Rambam introduces Parakei for Chuzdeus, I think it's Parakei, by saying that Keshem Shehachacham Nikar B'Dayosav, that just as a Chacham is distinguished by his knowledge, so too the Chacham is supposed to be distinguished through his conduct, through his demeanor, through his way of speaking. And, and it's quite clear from the Rambam that there is an, a higher standard, a different set of expectations for the Talmud Chacham than for others. And as you make your way through that panic in the Rambam, you'll encounter some of the Mishnayas from Pekayavos. So clearly, the Rambam understood that not everything which we're taught in Perkeavos is necessarily intended for all of us. Some of it is intended for the rather elite group of Talmidei Chachamim. Now, that being the case, so I think our guess would have been if there was any Mishnah from Perkei Avos which would be assigned to Perkei, which would be limited to Talmidei Chachomim, it's this rather demanding mandate of V'chol Masach Yu L'Shem Shemaim that everything you do should be L'Shem Shemaim and that notwithstanding the Rambam actually quotes this Mishnah earlier in Perik Gimel when he's addressing all of us. Not when he's addressing the Tamidei Chachamim, but when he's addressing all of us. So apparently, everyone, in his or her own way, with his or her own unique blend of Torah, Avodah, Kamilas Chasadim, is capable of devoting his or her entire life, his or her entire being, to the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Every one of us has the ability, the capacity, to answer this exhortation of V'chol Masech Yil Hashem Shamayim. But we also know that one of the hallmarks of the Torah, one of the hallmarks of Halacha, is that Halacha, Torah, is very realistic. 
and thus we find it in Hilchus Deus again when the Rambam gives us uh, advice and counsel he says the average person needs to sleep eight hours a night so he doesn't tell us uh, you have to make do with three hours with four hours and uh, you know you'll get by on coffee and coke the rest of the time Rambam says no the average person needs eight hours there is a very beautiful passage in the Shemona Prakim in the Rambam's uh, introduction to his commentary in Pekiravos where the Rambam describes how if a person is overcome with a certain sense of sadness maybe depression with a lowercase d so the Rambam describes how the person should try to dispel that sense of sadness that that mild depression Bishmiyas Shirim Umine Neginos Rambam doesn't tell us whether his preference ran to Shweke or to uh, Mordechai Ben David that, that the Rambam was too diplomatic to take a position on but, but one should listen to songs one should listen to uh, to, to, uh, to, to, to different melodies walking in, in a garden walking uh, excuse me and, and looking at, at impressive buildings the yeshiva in Tsuros he should revive himself by looking at uh, at, at aesthetically pleasing images so clearly this is sort of symptomatic the Torah recognizes that we have a need to relax the Torah recognizes that there is a need for, for downtime now there's clearly no contradiction between on the one hand the mandate of that we're supposed to orient ourselves 24-7 towards the service of even when sleeping even when resting the Rambam says under the rubric of that halacha with on the other hand the realism which acknowledges that we need time to relax that we need downtime the harmonizing third verse is, is provided by the third Vishara he quotes from the Cholos Halvavos that when a person needs to relax it's a mitzvah to relax a person can relax L'shem Shemayim also the same way a person learns L'shem Shemayim a person davens L'shem Shemayim a person engages in Chesed L'shem Shemayim a person can and should, when necessary, relax L'shem Shemayim as well. And, truth be told, the same way there are halachos to govern, that teach us about rebus, about interest, and other halachos relating to business transactions, so we'll know how to conduct business. And the Silcha Shabbos to tell us how to conduct ourselves in Shabbos and the Seifa Chafetz Chaim to tell us how we should speak what we can speak about what we shouldn't speak about the truth is that there is also to be elicited halachos of Yemei HaChofesh also 
of, of uh, how to relax, how to enjoy downtime, the Shem Shemayim. We're going to try to discuss a little bit of that this evening. In, in no way will it be comprehensive, but at least try to highlight perhaps one or two perhaps misconceptions that we have which underlie and, and, and which bring about various mistakes and, and mishaps as well. The first one is, is clear already, which is that we have a very overly narrow conception of what Avodah Hashem entails. We generally associate Avodah Hashem again with learning, with davening, with chesed. But clearly what the mandate of Achol Masech Yerushem Shemayim teaches us is that that's an overly narrow conception and that Avodah Hashem is really something which can and should everyone within his or her own unique blend within Torah and mitzvahs is really something which should encompass all spheres and all activities of life. Another, I think, basic misconception, one which we sort of imbibe via osmosis from the culture in which we live, is that we don't begin to understand or appreciate the reality of our senses, of the sense of speech, the sense of sight, the sense of hearing, etc. The modern Western mentality I don't know. I don't know what's the case in terms of history of Western thought. I don't know whether it was any different then. But certainly, in contemporary society, there's no appreciation for the significance of the five senses. Let me just explain. Obviously, everyone understands that God forbid for a person to be mute or deaf or blind that that's a severe physical handicap and everyone recognizes the physical reality but what we're talking about is that the five senses not only connect us, expose us to a physical reality but also to a moral and spiritual reality. And there's a moral and spiritual reality which we experience, to which we expose ourselves when we employ the senses. Maybe let's begin to just illustrate this with the again, the ability, again, not necessarily the senses, but again, in terms of just physical actions, the ability to speak, the ability to speak. So we, we know, right, that the nursery rhyme of the sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Okay, it's a nursery rhyme, but the truth is, it's one that, that we don't really outgrow, and it's one which insinuates a certain hashkafasolim, a certain outlook, and that is that well, sticks and stones—that's a reality. 
but words, no, it's not really real. The Torah doesn't view it that way at all. Lav b'chdi, when, when the Torah describes, albeit metaphorically, and Chazal remind us of this in others, that Ba'asar Ma'amoros Nivra'olam, the HaKadosh Baruch who created the world through ten utterances, Again, when we talk about Kadosh Baruch speaking, it's 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 a metaphor. Kadosh Baruch doesn't have uh, vocal cords and he doesn't have a voice box. But the very fact that we employ that metaphor, that the Pesach says, the Rambam quotes, the Pesach in Mishlei, Tapuche Zohov b'Maskios Kesef. Shlomo HaMelech, when he talks about the use of metaphor, describes how metaphor is gold, golden apples, in a silver encasement, in a silver packaging. Meaning that with a moshal, generally the case is that even though the ultimate meaning is the nimshal, the ultimate meaning is that which we're trying to express via the moshal, but the moshal, the metaphor itself, also contains wisdom. So if, metaphorically, we're told that created the world, so that means there's a reality to speech. There is a rather sobering Gemarionoid Katan tells the story of, of the, the brothers Penchas and Shmuel Shmuel the, the, the famous Amora Penchas was sitting Shiva for a relative that the two of them didn't have in common I don't think the Gemara specifies Shmuel comes in from Nicham Havelim and he notices that the Penchas's nails have grown very long and Shmuel tells him, why don't you do something about it? There are ways in which it's permissible, not the normal ways necessarily, but there are ways in which it's permissible for an ovel, for a mourner, to trim his nails. So Pinchas looks back to Shmuel. He, he wasn't aware of, of, of this halacha and, and thought perhaps that this represented a shortcut. And and, uh, and Pencho says to Shmuel, well, if you were sitting Shiva, so would you avail yourself or something like that? The Gemara quotes the Pasuk, Bris Krusalis Vasayim. There is a covenant, a pact, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has established with the lips. There's a reality, there's a potency, an efficacy to the utterance of one's lips. And then, sure enough, a short time later, Shmuel find himself, found himself sitting Shiva, and he accosts his brother Pinchas angrily as to why he had said that. Similarly, Sefer HaChinuch, in offering a rationale for the Torah's prohibition against cursing a fellow Jew, so the Rambam in Sefer Mitzvah says that the, the underlying rationale for not the, the prohibition not to curse a fellow Jew is that if a person curses, obviously it's in a tremendous fit of anger that he can't restrain. And really, the, the Torah 
is condemning and prohibiting such deep and unrestrained anger. Sefer Achinuch says one doesn't need to invoke that. Sefer Achinuch says klola, to curse someone, is forbidden because of the damage that can result from a curse. So we don't think that, that because it doesn't involve action that there's no reality. No, there's a very, very real effect to, to speech. Probably our lack of appreciation for that fact is probably one of the underlying causes for why the various mitzvahs regarding Lashon and Rechilos we're not sufficiently careful about because just we sort of instinctively don't really believe well, how can the Torah really be so strict about this? It's only words. But the Torah's approach is very different. There's no such thing as only words. It's words. that Chaim Velazhana explains in his Nefesh HaChayim that in terms of the celestial effect of what we do a person's words reach and reverberate to a higher place than a person's deeds that because speech is something even more spiritual than action because of that speech reverberates and and, and has even more far-reaching consequences than simple action the same is true for the, in terms of the reality, the moral, spiritual reality for chush for the sense of sight. Again, so our sort of Western mentality is, okay, just to see something is one thing, there are certain things you can't do, but to see is, is not so terrible. The Torah teaches us otherwise. When the Torah says, or Isam also is Chartem, that Tzitzis is a reminder, so it's true, Rashi tells us how Tzitzis adds up to Minyan Taryag, but it means more than that. How do we know it means more than that? Very simple. In the beginning of Tasha's Vashanan, Moshe Rabbeinu beseeches HaKadosh Baruch Hu Ebrona ve'ere Esa'aretz HaTov HaZor Sashem Be'eva HaYardin Ribbono Shalom Let me please cross over the Jordan so that I may see the land on the other side of the Jordan Ebrona ve'ere Why did Moshe Rabbeinu want to see it? Moshe Rabbeinu didn't have a, a tourist mentality No, he has to go uh, he could have gotten a delivery from Moshe's Pizza. He didn't have to know something Moshe Rabbeinu wants to, he wants to see. So Chazal say, what did Moshe Rabbeinu want? So clearly what Moshe Rabbeinu wants, he wants to experience Kedusha Sa'aretz. He wants to soak in. He wants to partake of the special sanctity which exists in Eretz Yisrael. And the way Moshe Rabbeinu expresses this is So apparently, seeing is a way of experiencing, a way of soaking something in, a way of internalizing.
Similarly, the Gemara in Erevan tells us that Rabbi says, The reason I have an advantage over my colleagues, Rabbi says, is the because I was privileged to see the great Rabbi Meir from behind. I saw Rabbi Meir's back. And if only I had been Zoha, if only I had merited to see his front, then I would have uh, been able to advance even more. Now obviously again, obviously there's a metaphor here. But again, the metaphor is expressed in terms of seeing. There's a tremendous power which is associated with sight, with vision. Second Kohelis tells us Thank you. Thank you. The, the Pasuk in tells us that Zeru Umas Zalokim that the world is all symmetrical. The greater potential something has to be a force for good, the greater its potential, to be a force for what's not good. So it follows that if if by looking at what we should look at, a person can experience Kedusha, Kedusha can, can impact him. Kedusha can, can make an indelible imprint upon him. It stands to follow, according to what Kohelis tells us about how who created the world, that if we look at the wrong things, so then there's an equally powerful force to be dragged down to be drawn away from Kedusha instead of being uplifted and purified being dragged down and, and, and overcome with, with, with contamination and that's Chazal tell us in Masech Soto that Ein Yitzahar Shalit Ela Bamesh Ein that the Eight Sahara only gains the upper hand, only holds sway over a person if he's able to see the object of his desire of the Eight Sahara. Similarly, the, the, the Sefer Shmiras HaMachshavah calls attention to the Torah in Simen Aleph. The Torah in Simen Aleph says, Pshad in the Mishnah, Pekiyavos, when Yehuda ben Tema says that we should be Kal Kanesha. We should be light as, as an eagle gliding through, through the heavens. The Torah writes as follows: Kal Kanesher, Kineged Reos Ha'ayin. The same way, the eagle does nothing that stands in the eagle's way. The eagle flies above all other birds. It doesn't have to. 
It doesn't have to be in touch with the tower and the air traffic people about, uh, about which which lanes are, are going to be busy, which not. It's it, it's above everything else, so its flight is 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 smooth and 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 unimpeded. That's the way our Lomar, what's the, the nimshel? What is that? Shetatzim einecha mirozbera to close your eyes, not to see anything bad. The tour continues. V'chein David Hamelech Olav Hashalom. David Hamelech in Tilim Kufiutes has a bakosha. He asks Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Ha'aver einai mirozb shav. David Melch says, HaKadosh Baruch I'll make a deal with you. I'm going to do my best not to voluntarily see what I shouldn't see. You, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, please make sure that involuntarily I'm not exposed to that which I shouldn't see. What we see, what we, what we let our children see, it leaves an impact, it leaves an imprint. Erev Rosh Hashanah is a time to perhaps think about issues which maybe, maybe we, 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 we don't have the time to think about perhaps we're not in the right mindset to think about it at other times of the year it's a time to think about difficult issues it's a time to think about real challenges in light of what we've been discussing about the power of vision and sight and, and the tremendous effect that, that visual images have on a person's neshama it, it's, it's a time to reflect on, on, on television and its effect on our spiritual well-being. Now, right away, there's, there's an impulse within us because television is probably correctly and accurately associated with popular culture. So there's there's an almost instinctive reaction we have. Well, I identify myself as, uh, again, we, we, we operate with slogans, with buzzwords. I identify myself as a centrist. And because of that, so I don't just reject culture. I'm open to, to elements of culture. Television represents popular culture. It's, it's so important, it's, it's almost impossible to exaggerate the importance of, of, of this next point, Rabbi And that is, it is impossible for a person to have a fixed, unwavering, absolute attitude towards culture, towards popular culture. And the reason for that is because Torah values don't change. 
the values of the culture around us are constantly in flux and what might be an appropriate attitude towards the popular culture in one time and place may be wholly, with a W in front of the H, may be wholly inappropriate in another time and place. When one lives in, 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 in a world which doesn't begin to understand modesty, which doesn't begin to to have any any understanding, any sense of of, of, of modesty, where 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 uh, where things which previously a decade, a, a generation, two generations ago would have been unthinkable to print in the paper. There's no shame, no sense of decency. So clearly one has to constantly be updating one's attitude towards popular culture and one has to be very carefully discriminating in terms of well, which elements of popular culture are wholesome and consistent with Torah and which are, are, are totally antithetical and highly insidious. The Rav Zechon Levacha was, was fond of pointing out that in the Rambam's 14 books of Mishnah Torah, so there's one which is called Sefer Kedusha, the Book of Holiness. And the only thing which ma- makes its way into Sefer Kedusha are Hilchos Machos Asuras and Shrita, Halachos governing what we're allowed to eat, and Hilchos Isurebiya, and uh, Halachos which, which govern relationships between men and women. And the Rav says the reason for that is because it's Dafka in these two realms that the test, that the challenge, for Kedusha is met. Kedusha stands or falls. Kedusha is realized or Rahman al-Islam lost in these two areas in terms of how we eat, what we eat, and in terms of the area of modesty. The pervasive, absolutely pervasive crude, vulgar, animalistic perception of intimate relations which again just pervades all of TV is about as antithetical to Torah, to Torah values, as detrimental to a pursuit of Kedusha as anything could possibly be. There is a there is a, an essay attributed in all likely in all likelihood mistakenly to the Ramban. But if it could even be attributed to the Ramban, that's already a, that's already a pretty high compliment. Which talks about marital relations. It's called the Geras Hakodesh. 
because from the Torah's perspective it's something which has tremendous potential for Kedusha Kedusha can be realized to allow again and, and we have to remember here again the power the power of vision the power of sight to allow whether it's ourselves or even worse our children to allow their minds and their conception of what should be what is the subject matter of Igeras HaKodesh to be sullied again by the crude, vulgar depictions on, on TV should be unthinkable. The fact that it's popular culture is only an indication of how lost popular culture is and, and how a moral compass is totally, totally missing in so many areas of popular culture. In addition to its harmful, injurious effects on one's attitude to questions of intimacy, there's also there's a sif in Shulchan Aruch in Hilcha Shabbos. It's, it's forbidden for a person to incite the Yetzirah. Giro Yetzirah is forbidden. Thus, a person is not allowed to read, and al-achas kama how much more so, to look at that which incites the Yetzirah. That's which, that which incites uh, the, the Yetzirah within him. If we close our eyes, the very real damage which television does in our communities we do it at our own risk and very great risk children today primarily through TV and even what they hear indirectly a lot of it ultimately it gets traced back to TV are robbed are deprived of innocence, they're robbed, they're deprived of an ability to see Kedusha in these areas and the chief, although by no means only culprit, is, is TV totally, totally pervasive secular music uh, also contributes also it's not, it's not that TV is the only thing but TV is even more powerful because it employs again the visual aid, the visual stimulus and obviously whatever one says about TV is true about certain sites on the internet many times over. Now, now is not the, the, the time or place to talk about the internet. Obviously the internet is much more complex because it, it has become so integrated into our whole system of, of communication and business. It's a more nuanced conversation. But the conversation about television should be a simple one. And before Rosh Hashanah, 
is a time when one can have clarity to make decisions. I remember many years ago, my, my family and I, we, we spent Shavuos in, in Yeshiva. And at the time, uh, David Lifshitz, was still alive. And then he spoke, in the and he gave the following words of advice. He says, sometimes, he says, you have to make an important decision. You're at a crossroads. And it's, it's a weighty decision. seems like a difficult decision. He says, you know when you should make the decision? He says, before Ne'ilah. He says, you want to make a decision? You need clarity. You need Yishuv Habas. So he says, I'll tell you when you should make your decisions. Take a few minutes out. Before Ne'ilah. He says, before Ne'ilah, that's when a person has clarity. That's when a person has Yishuv Habas to make a decision. So as we get closer and closer to that time, hopefully, Be'ezus Hashem, there's increased and enhanced clarity. Certainly, certainly, one area in which we should train that enhanced view and we should take advantage of that enhanced clarity is in recognizing the destructiveness of, of, of television within our communities. Just very quickly perhaps to mention one or two other, again, more schematically than in depth, one or two other associated ideas with making sure that how we relax how we engage in recreation can genuinely be construed as being done l'shem shamayim so minimally that has to mean that whatever we're doing is consistent with halacha and, and Torah values one way that many of us relax is by schmoozing, right? As, as I say in French, you chapa schmooz. And that's a, a common form of, of relaxation. Precisely because we're relaxing at that time, there can be a tendency to sort of let our guard down in terms of what we talk about. And again, if, if Sefer Chafetz Chaim isn't foremost in our minds, and again, we're sort of relaxing too often, Rahman al-Itzlan, that innocent relaxation can deteriorate and, and can trespass upon boundaries in terms of forbidden speech. The same awareness of maintaining standards on vacation that yes, on vacation one doesn't perhaps have the, the pressure of, of punching the clock which one has at work all the time but the mindset can't be that there's going to be any relaxation of, of religious standards whether it's standards of dress or other, other areas again, vacation is a time when we seek respite from the pressures of work. It's not a time when we relax all standards in, in our lives. And, and the final, again, just to mention programmatically, 
schematically, I think I, I, I've already trespassed on, on, on Rabbi Willig's time, but the, the final point to just mention programmatically and schematically is that I think our society has an exaggerated sense of how much downtime and how much relaxation people need. Granted, again, granted that there is such a need, but we need to be very honest with ourselves in terms of just how, in assessing that need, how great it is. The Messiah Sishorim writes that Hayom Lassosom, that life is about work. No, it's not about work at the office necessarily. That's one component. A person is supposed to earn a panasa. A person is supposed to be Osek Bishu or Shalom. But life is about Avodas Hashem. And Avodas Hashem, as the phrase suggests, means a person is supposed to work. So yes, at times we need to recharge our batteries. At times we need to relax. And then it's a mitzvah. But we have to do our best not to be influenced by the Western culture in terms of just how great that need is. Not every day off from work is a day that a person has to just spend the entire day lounging around. A day off from work can be an opportunity to spend more time in the base medrash, can be an opportunity to daven a little bit slower. The Sunday minyanim should take longer than the, all the, than the, than the minyanim the rest of the week. It can be a time to be involved in chesed that a person perhaps doesn't have that much time for the rest of the week, so on and so forth. Thank you.